0: They don't stand downtown, so I never get to say this. You may be seated. So I am so excited to be here with you today. However, I have to say that um, being in Brooklyn gives me a little bit of a Jan Brady complex. And here's what I mean. As many of you know, I have the great honor of being married to Matt Sadler. And Matt oversees operations for all of Liberty Church. And so I often ask him, hey, what's going on? And all I hear is Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. He talks about how amazing all of you are, how well your teams serve, how faithfully they serve. And more than anything, he talks about the visionary, faithful, lives laid down leadership of your pastors, Jr. and Tess. I just want an opportunity to tell you that your leadership is seen well beyond this community. It is inspiring well beyond this community. And I'm so excited to be with you today on such a monumental day where you expand your territory into a new neighborhood. And I'm so excited to see what God does through this community as you love and serve here and in the neighborhood of Williamsburg. I'm a little bitter. I can't stay for the free tacos, but, you know. So, um, I want to start today by just getting a little personal. Now, I get it. That's a little awkward, right? Because some of us just met and we're just getting to know each other, and suddenly I'm sharing TMI, and it's like, what is she doing here? This is so uncomfortable, right? But I want, before I share this uh, message that I have for you today, I want to give you a little bit of the behind the scenes of how this message came to be. I think we all really love a good behind the scenes, do we not? So, Matt and I decided seven years ago this month that we would make Liberty Church home. And when I say that we decided to make Liberty Church home, what that meant for me is that we would sit in the back and just observe from a distance. That's what it meant. And so I was happy there, but my husband decided to join the worship team and I'm super competitive. So I had to join a team too. So I joined the production team because our venue then, much like your venue here, meant that I could sit in a booth where no one could see me, and that sounded like a really good plan to me. And so there I was, sitting in the booth, serving, Matt's on worship, but at that time, God began to stir something in me. I would sit in, well, we had moved from the back to the middle because Matt's more extroverted than I am, but... I would sit in the middle, and I would see the preachers preach, and something in me began to stir, and I thought, I could do that. Now, let me be clear. There was not a single thing in my entire life at that time to suggest that I would one day preach a message. If you were to ask all the people in my life, including my husband, they would not have pointed to me at that time and said, hey, there's a preacher. Not because he's not supportive, but because there was just no evidence of it. And so I I began to have this stirring and it grew stronger and it grew stronger. And then I felt like there was a message that I had to share. But again, there was nothing to indicate that I would ever preach. So I just sat down to my computer, and I dumped it all out into my Evernote, and it just sat there. And I knew when I was writing it, I may never preach this. I don't care. This is what obedience in this moment looks like. Now, fast forward, and by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, I eventually joined the teaching team. And you may know how this works, but leadership comes up with a topic, and they come up with message guides, and we speak from the message guides, which is amazing. We are so fortunate to have that resource. But when I knew that I was coming here today, I asked JR and Tess, what would you like me to speak about? And they generously said, speak about whatever you want to speak about. So today, for the very first time, world premiere, I'm going to preach the message that I wrote in faith more than six years ago. Now, on one hand, I did not want to tell you that because now there's all this pressure, right? Like this had better be a good message. She's worked on it for six years. But I wanted to share this with you because this is not my story today. My story completes. This is a story about you. Because right now, maybe you are sitting in your seat, and maybe there's something that God is stirring in your heart. Maybe it's to speak, or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's to have a family. Maybe it's to launch a business. Maybe it's to write a book. Maybe it's to reconcile a relationship. I don't know what that is. But as you look at your life, there is no evidence that that is possible for you. You feel unseen. But can I tell you, God sees you. And when God has planted a dream in your heart, he will make a way. And it's that obedience, that obedience when we don't know the outcome, that obedience in uncertain seasons, that obedience in trusting God when we cannot see five feet in front of us. That is what we're going to be talking about today. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you with bold prayer this morning. We come before you with a bold prayer, and we ask you to stir our hearts. Stir our hearts, Father God, not as the world sees us, but as you see us. Not what other people expect of us, but what you are calling us to, Expand our faith. Let us be open, eyes open, hearts open this morning to what it is that you are calling us to do because we know that what you have before us is far greater than anything we leave behind. So, Father God, we have come here to encounter you. We have come here today to hear your voice speak mightily into our hearts. We have come here because we know that you are a God who fulfills your promises to us. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us as you have never spoken to us before. Let us leave here changed. Not by anything but I say, but by the Holy Spirit speaking directly into the hearts and minds of everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if there is anyone at all... See, now I really do feel the pressure. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. I don't know. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Um, If there's anyone in the Bible who knew a little something about being obedient in uncertain seasons. It's a story of Noah. Now, Noah and the Ark is one of the most, probably one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. I grew up in the church. Maybe some of you did. We grew up listening to this story in Sunday school, which is really alarming if you think about it. It's not really a kid-friendly story. I'm not sure where that, where that switch happened. But anyway, um, if you're not familiar with this story of Noah and the Ark... It goes a little something like this. Um, There was a lot of wickedness in humankind. It's an Old Testament story in Genesis. And um, God decided to bring a great flood. And he decided to spare Noah and Noah's family because Noah was righteous and walked with God. Now, this story and some others in the Old Testament can be a little bit confusing. Because this is a story about the wrath of God. And sometimes it can be difficult to reconcile the wrath of God with the God that we understand as loving and filled with mercy and with grace. But that is precisely why the gospel is such good news. That God sacrificed his only son on a cross and and he was resurrected to heaven so that we would be under a new covenant of grace. And yet, I think that there are things in the story of Noah and the ark that are relevant today. Especially if we are in an area, a time of our life, a season of our life, a part of our life where it feels uncertain. We are not sure what the future holds for us. Now, I have to say that the story of Noah and the ark was always really challenging for me. Because I thought, well... How would I respond? How would I respond if God had challenged me in this way? If God had said, hey, Don, I want you to go down to the waterfront, and I want you to start building a big boat. Now, it's not going to make any sense. People are going to laugh at you. They're going to troll you on social media a little bit, hashtag crazy lady by the waterfront. <laughs> They're probably going to create memes of you on the internet. Twitter is going to have a field day. But I thought, how would I respond And if I'm being really honest, I'm not sure that my faith would be that big. And then one day I thought, well, it's not a surprise to God that I feel that way. So why don't I just talk to him about it? So I said, God, help me understand what it means to have this kind of faith. To have the kind of faith that is so obedient that when you say, go and build an ark, even though there's no evidence of any rain, they were in the desert, that I would just go and do that. And in that moment, I heard God say these words to me. "Don, don't you see? Every single day I ask you to build an ark. You know, it's interesting. I used to think that the word ark meant big boat. It doesn't actually mean that. And the reason that we know that is that the original Hebrew word is for that is teva. And teva is only used twice in the Old Testament. Now, this is different, little fun fact, different than the word used for Ark of the Covenant. That's A-R-O-N, so that's a different word. But there's only two times that this word has been used in the Old Testament. One is to describe the boat that Noah built And the only other time it is used is to describe the basket that Noah was placed in as a baby when he was sent down the river where he would be adopted into royalty on the other side. So this word has a couple of parallels. One, it's a life-saving device. And two, it it is a vessel that carries to a place of new authority, of new influence, of new provision by God. Because how many of us know that when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die to save our life, only to leave us as we are. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the king. He is calling us into new territory. So I heard God say every single day, I ask you to build an ark. Every worship song you sing, every prayer you pray, every time you read the word, every act of obedience is strengthening your faith, the faith that will carry you through the storms when they come. Now, the thing that I think that is so interesting about the story of Noah is that God did not build the ark for Noah. God gave Noah instructions And Noah had to have the faith that A, what God was saying was true, and B, that there was something greater for him on the other side. Now today, God does the same for us. He gives us instructions, and it is up to us to decide, will I trust you, God? Will I have faith that what you have for me on the other side is greater than anything I will leave behind. See, some of us are praying prayers and we feel like God is not answering those prayers. But God is answering those prayers. We just don't recognize it because it's come disguised as a DIY project. How many of us know that God calls us to be partners in our own, participants in our own deliverance? He calls us to walk with him to hear his voice, and to obey. So I was reading through uh, this story of Noah and the Ark six years ago, uh, and even though I had heard this story a million times, there was one verse. There was one verse. There was somehow like a, a, a chunk of this story that just never got into my brain, and there was one small verse that changed everything about this story for me. And the verse is Genesis seven twenty four, which says, and just a little backstory, what's happened here is that it has rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The 40 days and 40 nights are over. And then it says in Genesis 24, the water flooded the earth for 150 days. The water flooded the earth for 150 days. And I thought to myself, as soon as I read that, I thought, wow. Isn't that just like life? Isn't it just like life that the devastation comes and goes in a moment? We lose someone we love, or someone walks out, or the job falls apart, or the finances collapse. The devastation comes and goes just like that. And what we are left with is the storm. The storm of our emotions of fear and guilt and rage and anger and shame. We are left with the questions of why me, why now, and why not. We are left with the uncertainty because suddenly all of our carefully laid plans that we have for our life have all come to nothing. These seasons, this devastation changes us. We are no we no longer see things the same way. We no longer see ourselves the same. We no longer see the world around us the same. Sometimes we even see God differently. We are no longer there. And even though even though that we know that God is faithful to bring together all things for the good of those who love him, we cannot yet see the promise fulfilled. We cannot yet see the other side. And it is somewhere here, somewhere between the no longer here and the not yet there. This is the storm. This is the storm of uncertainty. This is the storm of questions. This is the storm where our faith is shaken. This is our storm. But in our storm, even though all of our plans have come to nothing, rest assured, God's plan for your life is still fully intact. It has not been thwarted. It has not been, uh, it's not falling to pieces. You are exactly on course, even in moments when it feels like you're not. See, in the storm, it's so tempting to believe that God has abandoned us or God isn't listening to us. But in the storm, God is working on your behalf. In your storm, God is faithful. And so, today, in the time that we have, I want to share five things that God does in our storms. The first thing that He does is that God protects us. Through the storm, God protects us. See, the story of Noah actually started uh, hundreds of years earlier than the story of the ark, it began when He was born. In Genesis 5, 28 and 29, it says, When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. See, Noah's family for generations had been in a barren land. Sometimes through our storms, God carries us from a barren land, from people or places or situations that are unfruitful in our lives so that he can place us somewhere where we can thrive. Now, I am not saying that God causes our storms. There's a lot of reasons that we walk through storms. We live in a fallen world. People disappoint us. Sometimes our storms are just the consequences of our own actions. But regardless of what the, where the storm came from, God is still faithful to carry us out of barren seasons and into fertile ones. The second thing that God does through the storm is that he prepares us. Genesis 8, 3 and 4 says this. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Now, here's what's interesting. Noah lived his whole life in Mesopotamia, essentially modern-day Iraq desert. That's how he. That's where he learned his skills. That's where he learned how to provide for his family. That's where he learned everything that he knew about how to do life. And he left uh, the desert for the mountain range of Ararat. Now he would have not had. Any life skills for this new land that he was going to, right? It wasn't as though he could just—it um, wasn't as though he could just log on and say, "Hey Alexa, what's the weather today in Ararat, Right? He wouldn't have been able to Google it. He wouldn't have been able to do any of the things that we do. He couldn't log on to Amazon Prime, maybe order a jacket and some boots, have them delivered same day. I love Amazon Prime. Do you not? It's so good. <clears throat> He wouldn't have been able to do anything like that. The only thing that he would have been able to do is to lean in and press in to the voice of God and the instruction of God. That was the only way that he was going to know how to survive and how to thrive in this new land. See, when we lean on our own understanding in the storm, then our emotions become our inner compass, And they will take us off course. How many times in the storm, in our season of uncertainty, do we get a promise or a prophetic word and we want to go and take it to committee? We ask our friends and family, what do you think this means? I don't know. What do you think this means? I I mean, yes and amen to wise counsel. But may we never have the approval of other people be a false God before the God who has prepared a place for us. The place that God is preparing for you, he has prepared for you, not for them. He is speaking to you, not to them. He is preparing and equipping you. And it doesn't mean that you can't get wise counsel from other people, but that is secondary to the voice of God speaking into your life. Amen? There are places that God is taking you to and how you will survive and how you will thrive there. Those answers you cannot Google. You have to listen and press in to the the word of God. So the third thing that God does is that God positions us. Uh, We're going to pick up the story here in Genesis 8, 5 through 12, which says this. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. "'Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. "'But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth, "'so it returned to Noah in the ark. "'He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. "'He waited seven more days and again sent the dove out from the ark.' When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. Have you ever had a really, really, really long flight, and then when you land, And you're so excited, you have to go to the bathroom, you're already ready to call the Uber, you're thinking about if your baggage made it. After the end of a long flight, and suddenly you're sitting on the tarmac, and sitting. And is that not the most aggravating thing ever? I imagine that Noah experienced this times a billion, right? He's been floating around for months and months and months and months. He's got all the animals in the ark. They, I mean... They've all been fed, and I just won't even get into the fact that they digested things, and that's all there. But there's all kinds of things happening. I can't imagine how anxious Noah must have been to get off that boat. And I think that we can relate to that. I think that there are times in our uncertain seasons where, like Noah, we keep asking, we keep sending out the raven, we keep sending out the dove is it over? Is it my time? Is it time? And over and over and over again we ask. And what I find so striking, what I find so excruciating about this part of the story is that it was right outside. Noah was in the boat and it was right outside. His next season was right outside. And I think about this and I think about how often in our own lives our answered prayer is all around us but it is not yet our time. We're praying for a breakthrough in our business, but everybody else has a business that's taking off and not ours. Or we are believing to have to get married and have a family and everybody else around us is getting married and we have to buy the ugly bridesmaids' dresses. But it's not yet our time. And we keep asking, is it my time? And the longer we wait, the more our faith is shaken. Is there something wrong with me? God, where are you? But God is there. It is not your time because he's still preparing your territory. I have my own version of this. Um, Ever since I was little, I thought that I would write books and published books traditionally. And uh, then I went into real estate instead. And um, about 15 years ago, I read a book that changed my life Uh, called Jesus CEO by Lori Beth Jones and it was the first thing I had ever read about faith and work and um, it, it seems crazy to me now but it had literally never occurred to me that those things could go together and I read this book and I was so profoundly impacted by it and I felt God say to me that I would write a book about faith and work And I looked around at my life, and I thought, no, that can't be right. (laughs) That cannot be right. And so I put that dream in a drawer. And then years later, I moved to New York. I lead business groups. I have a podcast, Led Visionaries, for several years. I'm several years on. And suddenly, it felt like everybody was getting a book deal but me. God had stirred that desire up again, and I thought, everyone has a book deal but me. It was three people. (laughs) But it felt like everyone. And just like Noah, I kept asking, Is it my time? Why not me, God? Now, I know some of you might be thinking, I got to tell you, Don. not getting a book deal doesn't really sound like a real problem. And granted, it's not. I know some of you are thinking, have you like seen the news? Do you know what's going on in the world? But how many of us know that God can have his eyes and his hands and his heart in the biggest problems of our day and still care very much about the dreams that are buried deep inside of our heart because he himself put them there? So I went to God about it, said, God, what's happening? And I felt him say to me, Don, do you remember when I gave you that dream 15 years ago? I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I said, yeah. And he said, did anyone that you knew at that time, where's anyone writing books? Was anybody writing Christian books or any books? No. Did anybody want to? No. Did anybody talk about it, dream about it, plan for it? No. No. And I felt God say, I gave you the seed in a barren land, and then I moved you to a place where that seed could be planted in fertile soil, where it could be nurtured, where it could be watered, where it could grow mature in my time. See, some of us are positioned Because our breakthrough is coming. Some of us are positioned and it's happening all the way around us. And we're like, why not me? And it's because God is showing you what God is about to do in your life. And so instead of being bitter, instead of being jealous, instead of saying, why me? Those are the times where we need to dig in and to be obedient and to praise God, even though the breakthrough isn't here yet. How many of us know that it is reason enough to praise God just to be planted in fertile soil? Come on. Come on. The next thing that God does is that God promotes us through the storm. Genesis 9, 1 through 3 says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful. They had left the ark uh, at this point, by, uh, by the way. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. And Genesis 9-7 says, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. See, on the other side of the storm, God gave Noah three things. Keep in mind, Noah was just an ordinary guy in Mesopotamia. But on the other side, God gave him authority. He told him, I will give you every creature on earth and in the seas, I give it into your hands. He gave him provision. He said, Just as I give you the green plants, now I give you everything. And he gave him prosperity. Be fruitful, multiply on the earth, and increase it. Again, Jesus did not save our life simply to leave us as we are. He has new territory, new provision, new authority waiting on the other side of our obedience, on the other side of our faithfulness, on the other side of us saying, I don't know where we're going. I feel directionless. I don't know what's ahead, but I say yes to you, God speak to me and I will say yes, even though I don't understand, even though it looks like a barren land, even though nobody else, uh, it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Speak to me, Lord, and I will say yes. See, in our storm, it's tempting to believe that God is punishing us. It's tempting to believe that God is mad at us. It's tempting to believe that he's not here, but God is ever-loving, ever-present, and always working to bring us through our storms. And finally, as the band comes, God fulfills promises to us. You know, before Noah built the ark, God said this to him. It was Genesis 6, 17 and 18. And he said, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. See, the interesting thing is that God told Noah, He will establish a covenant with him. But he didn't tell Noah what that covenant would be. He didn't give him details. Didn't tell him the plan. Noah had to move in faith that God would answer, that God would keep his promise, but that God would have something better for him on the other side. How many times does God ask us to move And we say, you know what? Tell me the plan, and then I'll be obedient. But God is saying, be obedient, and I will tell you the plan. On the other side of the storm, in Genesis 9, 8 through 11, it says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. I wonder what it is in our lives that just keeps coming back. I wonder what it is in our lives that we feel like we're done with and it just keeps coming back because we haven't fully trusted it to God. I wonder what it is in our life that God is waiting to say on the other side of this obedience of our faithfulness, it is finished. You will not walk this path again. I wonder what God has for you on the other side of your own obedience. See, when everything feels uncertain, when all seems lost, when it feels like God has abandoned you and you have no idea what to do next, do this. Be obedient to the next thing he's asking you to do. Do the thing that's right in front of you, even if it doesn't make sense. When life seems uncertain, unpredictable, and uncomfortable, and you're not sure what to do next, simply do this. Take the instructions that God has given you and begin to build your ark. Let me pray. Father God, We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are faithful in every storm, that in every storm, even if we don't see the other side, you do. Even if it feels like all of our plans have come to nothing, your plan is still fully in place. Speak to us right now. Stir our hearts. Convict us on the thing that you are asking us to do, to step forward in obedience, knowing that every step of obedience that we take is a step of faith, saying your way, God, is better than my way. Gently convict us. Make clear the path. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.